This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds. Boldly go where no one has gone before. Engage. Engage. Enterprise. Enterprise. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Captain Catherine Janeway. Captain Sisko. This is Captain Jonathan Archer. Red alert. Photon torpedoes. Fire. The official Star Trek podcast. Engage. Engage. Make it so. With your host, Jordan Hoffman. That, sir, is illogical. Let's make sure history never forgets. This is Engage. Hailing frequencies open, sir. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Engage. The official Star Trek podcast. I am your host, Jordan Hoffman. With me, as always, is Brian. Hello, Brian. Hey, Jordan. What's going on? It's going pretty good. This is an exciting time because uh, we are just coming off the magic, the heat, and the splendor of San Diego Comic-Con, where there was some big news about Star Trek Discovery, and this being the Star Trek podcast, it's an exciting time for all of us. Um, so, uh, let's talk a little, let's, wait, let's, let's reverse course for a moment. Reverse course, Mr. Sulu. Yes, let's reverse course <laughs> for a minute and talk about what happened this weekend. Well, I also like being very honest and transparent. What happened was I was not in San Diego. I was here in New York. As was I. Because uh, I can't be everywhere at once and I had other things happening. But I've been to San Diego Comic-Con seven times in my life, so I feel like I know the score. I know what it's like. And if you've never been, I can tell you it is simultaneously the greatest experience in the world and the worst experience in the world. It's crowded. It's hot. It's confusing. You, you're always a, running a little bit behind. But you are with 300,000 of the world's dirtiest, smelliest, craziest uh, <laughs> lunatic nerds, all wearing very, um, not all, they, everybody's wearing something good. If they're not wearing costume. If they're not wearing revealing spandex, uh, they are wearing the coolest sort of novelty t-shirt you've seen. And you know what's funny is that people go to Comic-Con and they take pictures of all the great cosplay. Obviously, you know, there, there are oftentimes, uh, uh, you know, women in very revealing clothes and, and men in very revealing clothes. And, and that certainly has its appeal. Don't get me wrong. And then there are also people who are dressed in costume. That's just really clever. And you go, oh, my God, I would have never thought to dress as that very obscure character who's off to the side in this particular episode of remember the guy on Firefly who did this he had one line and the guy who's the third elf on the left in in the in the Ralph Bakshi version of Lord of the Rings and blah 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 and then there are also a lot of people that do you know mixes you know what if Wolverine were to have go into the, and meet the fly Jeff Goldblum or something you know that all kinds of crazy stuff there's that 
So the thing that gets downplayed are the people wearing the coolest novelty T-shirts you've ever seen. Really funny. That's what I do, actually, when I do, because I, I can't do the costumes because I can't walk around all day dressed as something. No, yeah. It's like it's a hassle. You know, you want to go to the bathroom and you're, you're dressed as Deathstroke. You know, it's like it's. Oh, it's, God. It's, yeah. How do you do it? It's very complicated. So uh, what you do is you find a great novelty T-shirt, sometimes from a reputable source, sometimes from Etsy or what's the uh red bubble is another one shout out to them uh cafe press obviously i get all mine from ripped apparel <laughs> ripped apparel zazzle is one of them right or sometimes you come up with the idea yourself wait, wait, are you wait, about wait. to disrobe yes Ryan? i am because this is a really funny shirt taking off his his flannel what is that is that something tron related is that optimus prime is tron yes, holy optimus shit prime is tron. that's awesome <laughs> Right. Actually, your shirt's awesome too. I love Strong I'm Bad. I'm wearing a Strong Bad novelty <laughs> T-shirt today. <laughs> I'm wearing Strong Bad as um, Battle Zone. Yeah, yeah. Your head is blue. Yeah, head is yeah I remember yeah. that one. This is like a 15 year old shirt. It's disgusting. <laughs> you should see the pit stains on this one. <laughs> this is the most disgusting podcast ever. <laughs> um, all right, so that's the deal at Comic Con. It's great. Um, it's it's a hassle. If you're a nerd fan and you've been to other conventions and you've always dreamed of going to Comic Con. <sighs> I, you know, if you have, and listen, it's expensive. So, you know, I'm not saying if you have kids, make sure your, your kid has, has formula. But if you have the extra money, <laughs> uh, it's something that you kind of want to do. It's like going to the Vatican, you know, it's, it's, but don't go, but know this going and see like in the, the, the journey is the prize when you're there. You know, it's, it's seeing the other fans. That's the real win. You know, it's not just being in a panel, being in Hall H and watching, you know, the trailer to friggin' Kingsman two days before, two hours before it's on the internet. I mean, no diss on Kingsman, but who really cares? It's being there and, and seeing all the stuff and, and, you know, maybe buying a thing or two. So that's my Comic-Con spiel. So I wasn't there this year, but a couple things happened. Number one, big panel for Discovery, major reveals, and the new trailer. And I was not there, but we had eyes and ears that were. Um, our friend Jacqueline Coley, who's been on this show before, she is a reporter for BGN, Black Girl Nerds, and she was on assignment for Fandango, which is awesome for her, but also awesome for Fandango for having the smarts to send her out there. Uh, so we're going to talk to her about what it was like being in the room. Now, additionally, our good friends at CBS Licensing, John Van Sitters and company, uh, had an, what they call it now is an activation but this is the new term in marketing. Yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> it just means cool thing, cool okay. place. They had an activation. There is an art gallery very close to the main convention center in San Diego. It's across, I want to say the street, but it's a rail yard. It's a, The convention center is right on the water, right on the bayfront. And then there is a commuter train, a, a light rail that goes across, which is always funny because when the train does come, they have, you know, they have to stop people from walking. And that's when it's like the most buildup of nerds it's hilarious because they have to hold up for the train and there's just like dudes dressed like dr strange next to a guy dressed like gandalf next to everything it's just ridiculous so <clears throat> across the street from that is the downtown area which i believe they call the gas lamp area and it's very ritzy you know they have a lot of nice restaurants it's not all like cheesecake factory and pf chang's they have some nice restaurants there and they have <clears throat> Stores and shops and bars and fun hotels. And there is an art gallery, which I don't remember the name of. And year after year, it's usually rented out by one of the studios to have some sort of affiliate thing. Um, this year, 
our good friends at CBS Licensing had the wisdom and foresight to take that room and for free to um, let fans come in and see what? See the actual costumes and props from Star Trek Discovery for the first time. Along, and also some concept art. Um, and this is all, you can check this all out on a number of out. You can go to StarTrek.com. Uh, this was everywhere. This was on CNET. This was on USA Today. Also, all the geek sites worth their salt were there. And what you'll see, uh, they had, uh, you know, so they had costumes. They had Sarek's red robes, which look amazing. They have Harry Mudd's kind of teal-colored <laughs> robes, which look really cool. And then they had a uh, new phaser, the new tricorder. Uh, they had, but the kind of the star, and they had sketches of what the Discovery is going to look like. And what the, um, I didn't see a sketch of the Shenzhou, but I saw a sketch of the Klingon ships, which looked pretty different from old Klingon ships, but had a sort of a insect-like look to them and very elaborate design. And then they had the piece de resistance, which were the Klingon uniforms. They showed the helmet, which almost has like an avian look to it. Apparently there are like visors and screens on the helmet, which can move up and down and kind of go inside the helmet. And then they showed the uh, armor or um, almost looks like a, I don't know what you would call it, but uh, for this character called the Torchbearer, which is like new in Klingon lore, uh, which is, I believe, from if I'm putting it together, and it's still a little cagey out there, um, when the Klingon houses are united, they can anoint one of their elders to become the Torchbearer. And the torchbearer has like spikes with rubies on the end of it. And, you know, they had, if you go to the right outlet, uh, the right source, you can see photos very up close. They're very elaborate. Uh, also, the batlefs um, have like skull faces on them. The talk the has like really neat looking stuff. So it is very much in keeping with Klingon uh, designs that we know, but just amped up. We don't quite see the, I didn't see anything that looked like Worf's Baldrick at all, but it did feel Klingon to me, and it mixes from a lot of different sources. There's clearly a Middle Eastern influence in some of the design, um, Japanese influence a little bit, um, and also just like medieval badassery is in there also. <laughs> so I'm really excited about that, and I haven't uh, been able to see it myself. I suspect, knock wood that I'll be able to see it myself in about a week when I go out to Las Vegas to check out this stuff at the Star Trek convention there. So that was there from day one of the con, which kicks off on Wednesdays, uh, Wednesday night is preview night, and then Saturday, and uh, the convention, Comic-Con goes from Wednesday night preview night through Sunday, but Saturday's the big day. And in Hall H, they had Warner Brothers, they showed their DC slate, looking good, they Marvel, we already know to expect greatness in Marvel. Uh, Warner Bros. also had the Ready Player One, which is kind of fun. And then uh, over in Ballroom 20 is where Discovery kicked off, I believe, I want to say at 2.30 in the p.m. Because it was 5.30 here in New York when it happened. And that's when um, uh, I did get a bit of the FOMO. I was stricken with FOMO this Saturday. Yeah. 
You get. I have a guy on my hockey team went, went and I was like, oh, you bastard. You. <laughs> I wasn't annoyed up until Saturday because it's hot and it's gross and it's crowded. And I saw pictures of parties and I'm looking at friends of mine who were their colleagues, West Coast colleagues or, or people like, like Jacqueline Coley who are going to speak to a little bit at parties. And I'm like, did not feel the FOMO at the party. I'm like, good, have a great time. I'm old. I don't need to be at the parties. And I got, <laughs> I've been to plenty of parties and I was busy here in that weekend. I had my own stuff going on. I'm like, you think you got FOMO? You think I got FOMO of you? You should have FOMO of me. You know, I was back at them. Was annoyed at the parties. I saw friends I liked. I'd send them to, oh, you look great, my 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 friend. Uh, I saw a picture of my friend Meredith Warner, if you're listening, and Jen Yamato. I saw the picture of the two of you, and you both look gorgeous. It was fabulous. But um, uh, it wasn't until Saturday where it hit me. I had the blues. The blues real bad. Couldn't be there in the room. But Jacqueline Coley was, and we're going to talk to her next. So before we do... Something important to tell you. Let's say you are a photographer and you go to places like Comic-Con and you have high-res photos of thousands and thousands and thousands of people, of uh, women dressed like Squirrel Girl and men dressed like uh, John Jones Martian Manhunter. What are you going to do with all of this stuff? You're going to need more than just your computer's hard drive. You are going to need a solid-state hard drive from WD, Western Digital. And lucky for you, Western Digital is a sponsor of this show and you can get a special deal on one of their new products. So let me tell you that when you add superior performance to WD Solid State Drive to your PC, you get blazing read speeds, so you can boot your system quickly, load games and other applications in a snap. Combined with a reliable WD hard drive, you can get up to six terabytes of storage to keep your games library, direct feed video, podcasts, and more all in a single place. More meaning a high-res imagery of all the cosplay pictures you take at comic-con for a limited time engaged listeners that's you can get 20 percent off select wd blue and black solid state drives so when you go to the site make sure it's the blue and the black ones those are the ones where you can get a 20 percent off which is no joke i mean 20 percent off is a significant savings you use the coupon code WDENGAGE. That's all one word. W-D-E-N-G-A-G-E. Would engage. And you can go to WD.com slash engage. Find the one that's right for you. Use the code. 20% off. You probably need a hard drive anyway. You've been putting it off. Don't be a schmuck. Uh, I'd like to add that the, uh, the site is no longer in Portuguese. <laughs> So, listeners, let's say up until now you've been hearing this ad on Engage, the official Star Trek podcast, and uh, have said, oh, I I need to go and eventually use that, but you put it off. Not the worst thing in the world that you put it off till now. You should go do it now that you're hearing my voice. Because for the past few weeks, for whatever reason... That site's been in Portuguese. <laughs> but, the, but the coupon was still good. It was. Why was it in Portuguese? I don't know. It doesn't matter. You know, what matters is, is the blazing read speeds and the solid state drive. Absolutely. Not the fact that W.com slash engage up until yesterday was in Portuguese. <laughs> what can I tell you, folks? It's the internet. All right. So with that, we're going to now uh, kick it over to our conversation. We're going to dial her up in a moment. We're going to talk to Jacqueline Colley and see what happens. Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is Engage, Engage. the official Star Trek podcast. Energize. 
All right, so Brian, we um, I want to make sure are our uh, communication lines open? Accomplished. Standing by. <laughs> Excellent, because I want to speak to our friend Jacqueline Coley out there in Austin, Texas. Let's get her on the horn. Hello. Yes. Hello. Jacqueline, wait, we're going to beam you in. Hold on. Yes. You a holographic image of you is is appearing before my eyes. Can you hear all of our sound effects out there uh, over the phone? Yes. Okay, good. Fabulous. I love it. I love the extra tech. It makes me so happy. Awesome. So Jacqueline is uh, was on our show a little bit less than a year ago, and she, unlike I, I was unable to go this year, was out there in San Diego a couple of days ago uh, repping uh, herself and BGN, Black Girl, Black Girl Nerds Network, as well as a special assignment for Fandango. So she was all over the con and made a particular point of not missing, I'm sure it was first and foremost in her mind, to go to the Star Trek Discovery panel and also got a chance to chat briefly with Sonequa Martin-Green. So since I wasn't there, she, wa- she will be our eyes and ears for the experience. So first of all, this was not your first rodeo. You've been to San Diego Comic-Con a few times before, correct? Yes, but I will say this one, I felt like I got to sit at the big kids table, really, because as you know, as a freelancer, sometimes you go to things and it's on your dime and you're just hobble and pobbling, but uh, working with BGN and working with the Fandango folks, I got to get to do a lot of really cool stuff. Got to get into a lot of rooms where it happens, if you know what I'm saying. Absolutely. So what you're saying is that uh, there are ways where, you know, it seems like it's just a big bit of madness if you're going from the outside, but there are little backdoor entries to get into some of those bigger halls if you know the right people. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. Um, yeah, as you, yeah, as you know. And granted, it's not even about the parties or whatever. It's just the yeah. fact that, like, hey, you say you want to go to the Star Trek Discovery panel, you don't have to wait in line overnight to do that. You can just, you know, make a call, and they're like, "Yeah, we got you." You know, that's awesome. crazy to me. Awesome. Beyond well, bizarre. Well, they need they need uh, they need the coverage, but it's great that they are understanding of who are the right people to get in, who are the fans, and you are a fan yeah. first and a reporter. Well, tied. You're tied for a fan and reporter equally. <laughs> but um, so tell people a little bit. So uh, the the discovery panel was in a room called Ballroom Twenty. And everybody yeah. hears about Hall H, which is the main room in Comic-Con. And if you're even a borderline nerd, you've heard about fabled Hall H. It's 6,500 people, which is more than Radio City Music Hall. But Ballroom 20 is no joke either. I mean, no, it's a pretty massive the, space. Yeah, it's the second biggest room, I think, if I'm not mistaken. And as far as, like, it also has the biggest stuff as far as a lot of the TV stuff that doesn't make it into Hall H, they go to Ballroom 20. So, you know, you'll see a ton of stuff there um, with very big, uh, big names and big properties. So I, I feel like Ballroom H is like mini Hall H. Yeah, yeah. Ballroom 20 mini Hall H. But 20, sorry. Ballroom it's, you know, it's funny. They have these names and they're so random. It's like the letter H, the number 20. Why not one and two, for God's sakes? But uh <laughs> But what's funny yeah. about the ball, the Hall H line is is very famous because people do camp out outside, and because it's San Diego in summer, it's nice weather, and it snakes along the marina. So whenever you see photographs in mainstream outlets, you know USA Today or, or you know Good Morning America, and they say we're here at Comic Con, and they see a bunch of people dressed like Snape 
along, you know, <laughs> sleeping by the water. It's they're waiting for Hall H. If I'm not mistaken, the Ballroom 20 line is, is mostly indoors. And the San Diego Convention Center is one of the biggest spaces in the entire planet. It's it's gigantic. And so it's just basically a line of people all throughout this very Byzantine, weird kind of aquamarine carpeted, you know, and it's a building that looks like straight out of Caprica from Battlestar Galactica. I mean, it's a really kind of modernish looking building, right? So they're just people lined up everywhere. And you go, what is this random line for at Ballroom 20? Well, that's upstairs, down the hall, make a right, up another flight of stairs. and But that's what that one is. So you got to skip yeah. all past that, though. That's exciting. Yeah. And you're right. Like, the, the San Diego Comic-Con, like, the convention center, and I've been to a few cons, it does have a very, like, marina look to it. Like, both inside and out, you definitely feel. Like, it's almost, like you said, uh, to me, it's almost, like, sequesty. <laughs> that's what it feels like when I'm there. You know, I'm like, Good for you, repping Sequest. I like that. I love Sequest. <laughs> um, well, you know, it is because it's right on the water. At, but, you know, it's funny. I mean, not to diss on San Diego because it is right on the water and most of the views are very nice. But sometimes the view is like the ugliest industrial shipping yard in the world. They're like, where is the beautiful view I'm expecting? It's like a bunch of boats moving cans of tuna fish around. You know, it's not that uh, not that sexy. But hey, um, I will mention, though, that you mentioned that this year, the big deal is they had a lot of people do boats like they've done this before. But I saw a lot more branded boats like IMDb did a boat and a couple of other brands did like boats in the marina. So you had like these huge branded boats oh. out in the water this year. You yeah, didn't Watchmen really see- didn't Watchmen have something. There was like a Watchmen yeah. party or something. Yeah. For yeah, um, because they believe- yeah, I saw some pictures. Uh, there, there's because they're bringing Watchmen back to DC Comics. Jeff yep. Johns is doing that. So, yeah, and nerd and not nerd issues. Sci-Fi did this huge installation outside that was overlooking the marina, and I think they may have made some kind of agreement to make sure their backdrop wasn't awful looking. Because <laughs> this year, it you know because like literally the background of their stage was the water. You know, so oh. I, I'm, I'm want to bet that they maybe got something going on to make sure there was less stuff stuck out there during san diego don't quote me on that no no well, a little better on the water i just remember one year there's um i mean it's it's really it's an entire downtown section and it's you know if you want to walk it's covered from side to side it's miles and miles and at the edge there's like a little like sort of campground area and one year i'm walking and it's hot and i'm tired and i'm getting close i'm like i think i see something over the edge i'm like is that what i think it is and it was it was a giant inflatable Smurf, eight stories high, <laughs> uh, repping the first Smurf because there was a new Smurfs recently, but the first Smurfs, the one with Neil Patrick yeah, yeah. Harris, uh-huh. which was not that bad. But there was a giant Smurf, and then like you tell people, "Where are you?" Well, I'm near the giant Smurf, and we're like, if my <laughs> friends who don't go to Comic Con can hear me now, they would just make fun of me. So, um, so Saturday that. night. So before, let's just real quick before we get to Saturday night's action, Saturday midday's action, which was Discovery. What was the biggest thing for you that you had seen prior to that? What was what what won the con that you personally saw prior to Saturday? Uh, what won the con prior to Saturday? Man, see that's hard because <laughs> I feel like Saturday was just like the best day. But um, I guess you know the Game of Thrones cast and their panel on Friday um was pretty fun listening to those guys chat it out and that was that was pretty awesome but honestly saturday was my best day i lived for saturday awesome um i also got to interview actually i take that back i interviewed michael roker 
Oh, wow. Guardians of the Galaxy. And he's a madman and so much fun. And I got to show him the Mary Poppins mashup Yondu cosplay. And he was just like a total kid in candy store about that. So those two were probably my two favorite things that I got to do while I was there. But Saturday, I ended the day. It was like I did Star Trek Discovery. And then I ended the day at the Marvel press line. So for me, <laughs> oh wow, those, that was my two greatest Comic-Con moments ever. I'm like talking to Kevin Feige, Thor is right, right over my shoulder, talking to Andy Serkis. I got to interview Rob Liefeld that morning. Like, yeah, Saturday was like a day <laughs> for nerd dreams. <laughs> Rob Liefeld is a very excitable gentleman. For those who don't know, he is yeah. a comic book creator um, yes. and uh, the creator of Deadpool and... Um, some would argue that he and Deadpool do share a lot in common in their yeah. attitudes toward life. And uh, Yeah, he's a but very, he was a great interview. I yeah. will say that. He was a, a total gem of an interview. I know he's a controversial figure, but he's also created one of those characters that I, I love, and, and I love everything the movies are doing. And you know what? New Mutants is coming. You know, he was a good, he was a good interview, but like just that whole day, though. And Todd McFarlane dropped by the space, and we got to watch him do an interview talking about Spawn, and they just announced the film. So, like, yeah, Saturday was the stuff of dreams. So I apologize if I'm not able to, like, no. feel like the rest has been nerd deleted. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So the um, it was midday, the panel in Ballroom 20, and it was pretty much a, a murderer's row of producers and actors. And I will very quickly read the list of who was there. So... Um, uh, and it was um, the the com- the uh, moderator was um, <clears throat> um, our friend uh, who um, is playing. It was Rain Wilson, right? Harry Mudd, yeah, Harry Mudd, Rain right. Wilson, yeah. Uh, and he's wearing a beard these days, which is pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Um, and the producers that were there were Gretchen Berg and Aaron Harbarts, who are the two showrunners. So the buck kind of stops with them. Uh, a woman by the name of Heather Caden. Uh, Alex Kurtzman, who is an exec producer of the company that is producing it, the director of the recent film The Mummy, but you know you can't win them all. And also Akiva Goldman was there, who uh, is a consulting producer, <clears throat> and his list of credits you can check out on your own if you don't know, but he's been around forever. And then um, on the stage, obviously, Sonequa Martin-Green was there, uh, Jason Isaacs, uh, who is the captain of the... Uh, Discovery. So for those people who are still confused, it is not Michelle Yeoh. Uh, she is the captain of the Shenzhou, and Michelle was not there, um, which leads me to believe that Mich- Michelle Yeoh is probably going to not survive the first episode or two, but I don't know for sure. Uh, Jason yeah. Isaacs, Captain Gabriel Lorca. So is he is he Latin American, do we know? Or, or Latin He's or not. Latin American? Is he from, you know... He didn't address it on stage, and he didn't address it in any of the side interviews. Um, but he's speaking with his natural accent, so... His natural accent is English, right? His British accent, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, we're going to find out. Doug Jones, of course, plays Lieutenant Saru, uh, who we're going to... A lot to talk about there. James Frain as Sarek. For, by the way, and I think I... When I first heard that James Frain was playing Sarek, I'm like, wait a second. You can't... if If this show only takes place 10 years before TOS, why get a young guy to play Sarek? The actor James Frain is the same age as um, Michael, uh, as um, uh, Mark Leonard was when when he played Sarek. In fact, I think he's even a little bit older than he was. So he just looks really young, or so, yeah. or, or Michael, you know, or, or or Mark Leonard's makeup aged him up a little bit. Uh, yeah, to say, I think they're they're showing him in a lot of like clips that we got to see 
with the characters when they're younger than the actual timeline of the show. So there's a lot of flashbacks. Um, so I think that's maybe why they went that way. We'll see. Gotcha. Uh, Shazad Latif plays somebody named Cole. I don't know much about him. Anthony Rapp, who we know a lot about, is Lieutenant Stamets, the space fungus expert. And then a new person. who I didn't know anything about her until the day on Saturday, and I was checking my news feeds at uh, you know all the great sites like StarTrek.com and TrekNews.net and TrekCore and TrekMovie, all the great sites, checking them all at once. Uh, and then the mainstream outlets also. Um, a woman by the name of Cadet Tilly, who's adorable, played by a woman named Mary Wiseman, who I don't know anything about. So um, yeah. I want to kick it over to you now because you're sitting in the press section. What was the vibe like? How many people were dressed up in uniform? What was the energy like 15 minutes before the lights dim? So one thing I can definitely tell you is I'm in the press section, but everybody has a big question mark with this series. And I put that in like the best term possible that like people that are excited about it have a question mark for it. And people that are maybe a little bit more skeptical also have a big question mark for it. It's not like some of these other shows where like the minute it was announced, they're like, Oh, this is going to be awful. Or, Oh, this is going to be great. There's just so many questions because of star Trek and they're keeping it under wraps. So we just spent the first 15 minutes being like, what do you think about this? Who do you think this person is? Who do you think that person is? And what do you think about this relationship? And they cleared up a lot during the panel from questions that we kind of had, but then they also just elicited so many more. So I just spent the first like 10 minutes talking to a couple of other colleagues about like, what do you think they're going to do about this? Because there's just the information has been such a trickle yeah. that we've been just like so questioning. So her relationship with, with Spock and, and, you know, that, that whole dynamic was still being bandied about because it was rumored that morning because I guess she had done Oh, there'd been a leak. Interview. Oh, there'd been a leak yeah. before. Oh, the, all right. Let me back it up for people who, who aren't following this as closely. What yeah. came out during this panel and please sit down if you're hearing this for the first time. Because <laughs> we saw in the teaser trailer that young Michael Burnham, and Michael Burnham is the character played by Sonequa Martin-Green, that she... Very confusing. Yes, there, there's a lot going on here. Um, so Sonequa Martin-Green, who we know from The Walking Dead, uh, when she, we see that she kind of uh, has a special relationship with Sarek, almost holds him as a father figure. Well, as we later find out, as we found out that day... Uh, her, she's a human, and her parents are killed at some sort of uh, catastrophe, and she is basically adopted by Sarek and his human wife, Amanda, which therefore makes her the stepsister or adoptive sister or at least housemate of a character we all know and love called Spock. Uh, which is like you know that's touched that's it's he that's heavy shit man you know you're going right yeah. for the right for the juggler when you connect your new character to Spock in some way. Uh, now I found out when it was announced in the room and Twitter blew up, um, but apparently so you're telling me is that people were whispering about it in the hours before yes. the panel, which I love. That's awesome. That people, I heard and a they rumor. didn't have any confirmations, <laughs> but it was rumored. Yeah. Like, it was a rumor that she was going to be related, yeah. and they didn't, like, explain it further, right? Like, she's going to be related somehow to Vulcan and maybe Scott. Fuck, sorry. Yeah. And that was what kind of came out that we were talking about, and then the rest sort of, like, came out more in depth. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I have some opinions about this, but before we get to that, so who, um, when everybody came out on stage, who, who basically, who, who ruled the room? Who... 
Who was the one that brought electricity to the room? Obviously, they brought Sonequa out last because she's the star. But uh-huh. Doug Jones has a lot of energy, too, and people like Anthony Rapp. What, what was the vibe like as people were coming out on stage? As people were coming out, they all kind of did the smile and sit down. But I would say the person that had the best energy was Jason Isaacs. Oh, he seemed okay. to be so happy to be up there and just finally get into this world. And I think just coming from that Harry Potter fandom, you know, because people don't remember he played Lucius Malfoy in uh, the Harry Potter series. And I think he just knows what's about to happen. Yes. Deeper than yeah. I would say maybe anyone, even maybe even Sonequa too with the Walking Dead fans. But movies are still another beast altogether, right? So. Yeah. I think I think he he gets that, and I think he's he's kind of taken that that role, and he seems really excited about his character, and he let a little bit more go about his character than some of the other folks. Well, because he, than, he he gets to do something new. He's the captain, but he's not the star, so he no. can be a totally different type of Star Trek captain. I'm guessing, and he is. He did let that go a little bit. His Star Trek captain, you know, we we're so used to these benevolent good meaning captains from what I've gathered from both what he said on stage and in the background, he's more captain Ahab in a lot of ways. Like he's not necessarily, I would say the always good intending, always doing good captain, because remember this is on the brink of war kind of captain, right? So based off of the timeline. And so I just feel like he may be a little bit more by any means necessary. (laughs) Well, that's interesting because, you know, in other Star Trek episodes, there have been times when Kirk or Picard or Janeway would sometimes interact with another captain who had kind of lost it. Or I mean, think about the Mm -hmm. episode like the Doomsday Machine or, you know, where, where they come across a captain who who they need to correct in some way. And then it usually ends up okay. Um, And it sounds to me like maybe this guy is that situation. But, you know, we've never had that as our main thing. I mean, if if this show is about some kind of mutiny or something or some rebellion, uh, that's that's very, very different from from what we've seen before. So that could get could get interesting. And the other thing he mentioned, too, um, in our roundtable is he mentioned how he can't talk about it, but he did say this. He said that because of the way they filmed it as a serial, what you your impressions of him and and all televisions like this, but he said more specifically with this one, because they knew exactly where they were going before they even shot the first frame. This particular captain's relationship with Michael Burnham's character is going to be unraveled periodically throughout the series. So what you think their relationship is in episode oh. one will be totally different by the last episode. I wonder if that means thought, a lot of flashbacks and flash forwards or? I mean, I don't know. But then he yeah. also mentioned, too, that, um, oh, God, what did he say? He said that they, that the, um, that they're close, that they are close, that oh. their relationship is an intimate relationship that is going to be revealed throughout the serialization of the, pro- of the process, well, if which that, I thought was really interesting. If that means an, 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 an intimate relationship that is, uh, <clears throat> that is against Starfleet, Starfleet yeah, regulation as far as... Yeah, well, <laughs> not necessarily sexual. Oh, not necessarily. Okay, okay. Yeah, he said intimate yeah. as in close, so not necessarily sexual, but he did say that, you know, and I think he actually talked about it in another thing on StarTrek.com uh, as well, where he kind of was like, 
just don't be surprised if you're surprised where their their relationship ends up. So okay, I'm like okay, let's go. I like surprises. I like surprises. I yeah. like I like new stuff. I mean, uh, you know, we can't we can't just magically make a a season eight of Next Generation appear. Let's try something new. Yeah. I'm with that. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, Saru. Doug Jones, I saw a picture. He did what looked to me as a photo. He did a funny walk. <laughs> Is that correct? Yes. Tell us what this was all about. Walk. Yeah. So he went on stage and he basically described how a big part of his character was his character's walk. And that it like I forget exactly the way he put it. But if I remember it correctly, he basically said that his character's walk definitely um speaks to his like uh getting into character was getting this walk down and so he wanted to show everybody what the walk is and so i was like okay <laughs> it didn't really tell us much more than that but it was fun to look at well he's a very <laughs> physical i mean for people who yeah. are blanking on the name doug jones is an actor who uh you've seen before he's abe sapien in hellboy he's mm-hmm. He does a lot of. Um, he was in Pan's Labyrinth. He was that dude with the eyeballs in his the palms of his hands. He yep. is a um, uh, an acrobatic kind of weird looking gent and a lovely man. He's very thin and very tall, and he was born to play space aliens. So, it's, and he's in heavy makeup again. Just, yeah, again as he traditionally is. And the one thing I remember this is this is an alien race that we haven't seen before, like. This is a total like new one, so I thought that was interesting. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And 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 in the uh, in the trailer, uh, you know, he says, uh, "My my species is aware when death is approaching, and I sense death now." And then you know, he's so, mm-hmm. he, so we know he's got some superpowers, so to speak, that are ready to yep. burst out. We know of at least one of them. Um, now, uh, let's let's bring it back then to sort of the big story, which is uh, Michael Burnham. Uh, is could be you know definitely hung out and uh, had 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 breakfast at the breakfast nook uh, with Spock growing up. What was the vibe in the room? Was it applause? <laughs> was it gasps? Let's uh, let's 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 be honest about this. What was the reaction? Oh, it was definitely gasps. It was definitely like there was like confusion and googling going on of some people in the press row because they were like. <laughs> Like, because honestly, you know, as a press person, sometimes you sit down at something, you hear something, you're like, has this been reported before? Sure, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, like, like that. And then, again, the people I was chatting with, they were kind of like, yeah, I guess that's it. Because, again, for some reason, we were all thinking daughter of Spock or something like that. Like, you know, like some mysterious daughter of Spock. So that, when it said familial, we didn't know that it meant, like, sister. Yeah, right? Remember I yeah. said how we thought it was related? And so then we were like, have they talked about this in canon? And that was another thing that people were like, you know, figuring out. I'm sure you maybe have this at your fingertips in your head. But I was like, I don't remember any Michael Burden thing. Like, this is ridiculous. What's going on? Right. Well, here's the deal. Um, No, it has never been mentioned before in canon. Um, But uh, we do, of course, know that Spock had a half-brother named Cybok, who was in Star Trek Mm V. And you never hear about Cybok until uh, he shows up. And he even says, my half-brother. And Bones is like, you got a half-brother? Well, when, when were you ever going to tell us? Yeah. Because uh, it was Sarek's, uh, Sarek's uh, son with, 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 another, uh, with another spouse. Mother. Uh, another mother. Um, now, some people will hold up Star Trek V and say, is that really an example that you want to work from? Because Star Trek V <laughs> is not exactly Star Trek's finest hour. But I say unto you this. 
Um, in the episode Journey to Babel, season two, original series, Sarek and Amanda come on the ship in a diplomatic fashion. Kirk makes a big, uh, how do you do? They're wearing their, their traditional uh, dress uniforms. And um, then they leave. And, or while they're there, uh, Spock says something to the tune of, oh, Ambassador Sarek is my father. Kirk and any, everybody else in the Enterprise had no idea. So that is yeah. providing a little bit of precedence to the fact that Spock doesn't like talking about his personal life. <laughs> he yeah. keeps it to himself. In the episode of Mock Time, season two, when he's going through the Pond Far, and uh, he <laughs> needs to return home to see his uh, his betrothed to, uh, to Pring, uh, his best friend Kirk is trying to understand why Spock is going crazy, and he says it's very difficult to talk about with, that, with off-worlders. Again, Spock really does not like to bring up his past unless it, he has to. That's just baked into his nature. Be that as it may, uh, there have been a lot. There's been a lot about Spock that has been explored in the lore over the years. There's a wonderful book from the late 1980s called Spock's World by Diane Duane, which is one of the best Star Trek books out there. You should definitely read it if you haven't. Never has it been brought up. Uh, about a, a half-sister or whatnot. In the episode Yesteryear, which is considered canon from the uh, animated series, absolutely the best of the animated episodes by A Country Mile, it's when our Spock goes back in time to watch young Spock himself go through his um, uh, sort of a walkabout ritual, which is called the uh, Kazwan, in which his pet Aichaya sacrifices himself. It's very lovely. Um, no sister in that either. So... You know, it's something new. But correct me if I'm wrong. Talk about it. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Go the, ahead. Correct me if I'm wrong. The characters, the characters, the people on stage, all the producers um, were emphatic. They used the phrase like work, work with us here. This is all going to make sense. Isn't that kind of what they were saying over and over again? That is exactly what they said. <laughs> and it was around the gaspy moment, I believe, um, Zaniqua was the one who said it, and she was like, here, I'm about to break some news for you guys. She even gave us, like, a heads up, <laughs> you know, and, you know, and then as she, you know, continues her part um, to speak through it after that, before they even let Rain go to the next question, he was like, hold on, I gotta, I gotta put it, like, the, the forget which producer it was, but I, I, I'm, I'm gonna remember it based on its placement on the stage, but he was like, let me just tell you, I know some of you guys are freaking out because you feel this is not part of canon, and we've ne they've never mentioned this you know, adoptive sister before, just give us time. We're going to talk about it and it's going to, you know, whatever. Right. So, Which I thoroughly you know, I endorse. I mean, you got to, yeah. you got, you can't flip out at news. Um, and personally, I'm just like, yeah. All right. So like if, if, if it doesn't quite jive with the canon, I know, all right, then I'll live. You know, there were, you know, Enterprise has some kind of moments that don't quite make sense with the rest of Star Trek, but you know, you got to, you got to roll with it. Yeah, isn't that the crux of whenever you go before? You know what I mean? It's easy yeah. if you're doing a storyline that goes after, right? Because that's new Uncharted. But anytime you're trying to, you know, get something to tie back to something that already started, you know, it's always going to be harder. That's it's always going to be harder. Give it a little, be a little slack, right? Give it a little slack uh -huh. and see what they come up with. And, you know, there's... They're going to have to learn from... I think that this is a smart group of people who know that they can't just do the stuff that George Lucas did in the prequels and say like, 
oh, C-3PO had his memory wiped. He doesn't remember anything about Anakin Skywalker anymore. I don't think they're going to do that. So, uh, you know, uh, let's let's you know, let's give it some time. But it is. You know, so I, I mean, listen. So I sort of have mixed feelings. At first, I'm like, I never heard about Fox's half sister, but I'm like, oh well, maybe that maybe they'll find some really cool stuff in that, you know. And there's also the thinking that maybe there'll be a vision, a flashback to her childhood, and we'll see a young Spock. You know, it's not yeah. not outside the realm of possibility. Um, some other stuff that went down. Um, I wanted to ask about was um. The new Klingons, which uh, yeah. also don't look like the Klingons we know, but I would say there is ample uh, evidence throughout all of Trek lore of Klingons always looking differently. And I don't just mean the smooth ridges versus the smooth foreheads versus the ridge foreheads. Look at your Klingon from Star Trek: The Motion Picture versus Worf; they don't quite mm-hmm. look the same. So, uh, did that topic come up? The fact that the new Klingons look very extreme. Um, the look was not as much discussed as the language. So they did spend an intensive amount of time discussing how the Klingon language was going to be present in the series, whether the Klingons were going to speak English or Klingon with subtitles. And I'm happy to report it will be Klingon with subtitles. And they said that they are spending an exhaustive amount of time trying to make sure that the Klingon is 100% accurate. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes, We're going to make sure it's 100% accurate to the make-believe language. <laughs> I mean, but seriously, though, how many people lose their junk if you feel like that's not how you pronounce, you know? You're absolutely you know, whatever, right. You know? You're abs- so, and I'm one of them, but it's, it's pretty great. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, they definitely, um, they've definitely spent all, they said that that was a big part of it, too, because it fits in the timeline of, before the reconciliation, you know, so obviously they're not going to be speaking English. Right, right, because of course Klingons uh, were still, uh, you know, they're they're at war and mm-hmm. violent with one another prior to the episode um, with the Organian Peace Treaty, which is called, um, um, is that Errand of Mercy? I sometimes get the titles confused, but you know the one I mean. Um, yes. The one on Organia. You're better with titles. Yeah, like, yeah. I can remember what series it came from and what happened. Brian, what episode know. was the Organian Peace Treaty? Is it Aaron of Mercy? And if it isn't Aaron of Mercy, don't tell me what it is, because I'm going to tell you. I've been very busy this morning, and my head's not where it's at. Brian's typing. Aaron of Mercy, yes. Yay. Thank God. Thank God. I still got it. <laughs> Um, still got it. Still got it a little bit. Um, okay, so what do you think about the new Klingon look? Let me ask you. I mean, I mean, this is the deal. If you want to know the truth. I do. I am not in the, like, not my Klingon camp. I'm not there. I'm not there by any means. But I miss, I miss some of the familiarity with it because it was one of the things that I think grounded me to this series. So if I had to give it a knock, I'm like, why change it? I don't get why you change it. Like, is it the makeup's harder? Like, just why? Why? Like, I, I think, don't understand the motivation. I why. think I agree with you because I understand why you have to change the bridge and, like, the yeah. props and the transporter room because it's 2017 and the, those sets were built in 1966. Yeah. And they need to look a little different. But they still, like, the, the captain's chair is still the captain's chair, even though the buttons look different, right? The yeah. uniforms look different, but the uniforms look really cool, I think. Yes, and, I do like the uniform improvement. Yeah, and the, what you expect. Yeah, it's kind of what you expect. It's still got it, but it's not like that kind of 
cheesy, bright colored velour from 1966 because that would look ridiculous. Sonequa Martin-Green mm-hmm. is a beautiful woman, but she would still look a little bit ridiculous in that, in that costume today. Yes. So I get that. But the Klingon makeup does kind of bug me a little bit. But these new costumes and props that the Klingons have are so awesome yeah. that I think it kind of counterbalances it. Like these helmets that they're wearing, the new mm-hmm. Batleth, the new Diktach, which is their, <laughs> their blades, their, their daggers. Yeah. And then there is this costume for the character that they're calling the Torchbearer, which yeah. looks like, a, like an Iron Maiden of some sort, um, yeah. just uh, is wild. And I do think that it is in keeping with the way Klingons, Klingon um, decor, uh, decorative Klingon arts look. I think that is a continuation of the Klingons that we know just really amped up to 11. So that all is really working for me. But um, I think these are different departments too. So like makeup versus design, yeah, yeah. yeah, is different than makeup. And I wonder too, how much is CG and how much is practical makeup? It's kind of hard to tell. Oh, I have no from idea. The trailers, but I'm just hoping that maybe this is a CG thing that they made the decision afterwards. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just gonna hope for the best. But in my personal opinion. I'm, if I had to give the the knock, I'll give that a knock, and then there's some other there's some things I'm a little bit like, okay, oh, where okay. it's going. Well, we'll get to that in a moment. But you know what? I, I will say this though: if the first time, because it's hard to tell from trailers what the show and story is going to be like, if we're going to know like a blink, like Malcolm Gladwell's blink, we're going to know when that first Klingon <laughs> appears on screen and opens his or her mouth. We're going to know in point oh 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 eight seconds. If it's working or not. And if it's cool, mm-hmm. if that first Klingon comes correct, I don't care what kind of makeup he has because it's going to be awesome. Yeah. So it all comes down to that. I mean, it's gonna look, it looks a little bit different right now. I love the uniforms. I love that the torchbearer's got like rubies on his shoulders and like spikes mm-hmm. everywhere. And I think it looks great. Uh, this, this, there's an image in the trailer of them all shouting as somebody uh, dies and their voices are lifting in the Stovo car. That's looking really great. The makeup looks a little weird, but you know... Maybe that you know people look different here on Earth. Maybe these are Klingons from a you know he, this this these guys are from a certain house. Maybe they're from someplace else. You know maybe they all yeah. you know we don't know. Maybe there are Klingons who look a little different, and these are those guys. So it is something that is a, a bit odd. Some people who don't really care much about Star Trek, are like, oh, why do the Klingons look different? I don't think it's that big of a deal. But it's a little odd, and like you said, it seems like a like a why do it? Like it seemed to be working yeah. well. Like Worf's Worf looked good in the last Star Trek movie that he was in. Uh, you know, Nemesis wasn't that long ago. But be that as it may, this is the decision they've made. And I'm telling you, point oh oh eight seconds in, if 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 I'm liking the character, I'm not going to care a minute. It's going to all evaporate from my head. All these thoughts. Yeah. So. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Welcome back to Engage, Engage. the official Star Trek podcast with your host, Jordan Hoffman. You are, after all, irrational. So, um, you got to chat with Sonico afterwards a little bit, one-on-one, correct? 
So tell I me did. a little tell me a little bit about that. Give me the give me the rundown on meeting her and and how your feelings were. Well, how were you squeeing? Were you squeeing inside as a geek? Were you? Were... I mean, I was. So <laughs> I actually got to talk with her twice. So she was filming at ET, and I actually just got to speak to her, like literally, just like hanging out. She was hanging out, and the Fandango did this great thing where they have this great space with like a claw machine and a boxing machine, and the basic point of that was to try and get stars to hang out there. And to the to the brilliance of Fandango, they did. So, awesome. Like, literally, <laughs> the cast of Westworld was hanging out. The cast of Discovery was hanging out, the cast of Gifted, I mean, you name it, um, because we were right across from IGN and ET, so when those folks were waiting to get on camera, they would just come hang out in our little lounge. Awesome. Brilliant. And so when she was there... Give an actor something free and they will come. (laughs) It's a free bottle of water, I'm there. (laughs) If that is not the truth right there, oh Uh. my gosh. So... And they were giving out Fandango gift cards as well. Like, again, this is some brilliant marketing (laughs) that they did. Um, You know, she was just kind of hanging out, and I I just went up to her, and I was like, hey, I'm going to see you later today, but I just wanted to tell you, you know, this means a lot, you know, to to a a young girl, you know, that was a Star Trek fan way back when. This means a lot to me personally. And, like, she was like, please don't keep going. You're going to make me cry. But I was telling her, I was like, just keep your head up. Because, you know, she's dealt with a lot. Since the casting, let's be honest. Um, she so. she has, but I wish she certainly has. But it's so fucking frustrating because she's dealt with a lot from such a small group of yes. idiotic monsters who have nothing to do with Star Trek. Yeah, P- and people who are obs- on the panel. Yeah, yeah, like people who are like, oh, my Star Trek now has a, a, a black woman in the lead. Have you not heard of Captain Cisco or Janeway? Where the hell have you been? Yeah. There have been black characters and women captains for a very long time. I'm getting all angry now. I'm going to stand up and shout. <laughs> so it just so it, so clearly these people who are making a, a a a noise on social media don't know what the hell they're talking about. And what pisses me off so much, Jacqueline, I'm so pissed off. What pisses me off is that so many major news outlets ran with this bogus story of 25 yeah. people made a stink on Twitter. And outlets like USA Today and Reuters say Star Trek fans are annoyed at quote unquote enforced forced diversity or whatever nonsense headline they used, as if there has not been Captain Cisco seven seasons, as if there has yeah. not been Captain Janeway seven seasons. That's what really yeah. bothers me. All right, I'm off my high horse now. No, no, no. And you know, she addressed it on the panel. She was just like, I would just say to those folks. If you are a fan of Star Trek and you don't get that it has been a blueprint for the need for diversity since its inception, you kind of miss the point. You know what I mean? (laughs) So I just thought that that was a great and that was her only comment on it. Um, But I feel like as a person who this is helping, you know, like you get why it's important. Like the minute you pretended that your remote control was a phaser. You you understand the need for why you want to see yourself on the screen because you've been playing around as this since you were a kid, right? Absolutely. You know I mean? Yeah. So she said, you know, I just told her, like, I know for me, you need to hear that so you can stay strong through the other, right? Awesome. Because the negative, yeah. the negative always makes you feel worse. And so that was all I really said to her about it. And then when we sat down at the round table, um, I said, you know, what does it feel to kind of carry this? torch that Michelle Nichols started and she got really emotional like I didn't want to make her cry and I will (laughs) say that um, the question actually came from my BGN counterpart Daviette she asked that actual question and I just kind of followed up on it but 
that moment to see her just be like, whew, like, I just need a minute because she she did say it was important, you know what I mean, to just kind of carry that torch of representation. And, and she just was like, it kind of, you know, hit her. But, yeah, she's a beautiful person yeah. and totally excited for this whole, I would say, adventure she's about to go on. And let's keep it real. This character is going to kick ass. Like, don't <laughs> let anyone think that this is not – some people would argue that they don't like, you know, action-heavy Star Trek. All of the things that I think we love about Star Trek when it comes to looking at the future with an idealistic outlook is going to be there. And, and exploration and fantasy is going to be there. But in this timeline, this is about a lot about war. Yeah. And there's going to be some, some serious altercations. And I think that dynamic with the captain is going to be explored very heavily. And, uh, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of kicking out. Well, I, I, I think you, what she said. <laughs> I, I think you're right. I mean, based on just the, the second trailer that dropped, there is one shot of her like jumping and crouching down. And then there's one line. It's not exactly the most elegant dialogue in the world, but she shouts run at one point. Mm-hmm. And it's like the way she shouts run is like, oh, yes, yes, ma'am. I'm going to run now. Yeah. I and mean, she's it's a pretty <laughs> emphatic run. So that's cool. But I think you're right. I think the geeky stuff is going to come out maybe in Anthony Rapp's character of this sort of yes. weirdo scientist who loves uh, 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 fungus from outer space and whatnot. Yeah. And um, oh yeah, we didn't even yeah. talk about Anthony Rapp. Right. Yeah. I, I because to, uh, he 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 mentioned uh, it was it was announced earlier that he was going to be an out gay character, which is a very new frontier for Star Trek. But it wasn't just that it was going to be in the abstract. He actually does have a partner on the show. Correct. Yes, Wilson Cruz is playing his partner, who, if you remember my so-called life, he played um, Claire Danes' uh, friend on that and also was out. And that was one of the first, like, primetime television shows that had, like, a young adult, you know, come out on screen and, like, have a come-out episode for him to, like, kind of book in with this. Yeah. I'm in love. And then, you know, the, the, the Broadway fanatic in me is just like, it's Anthony Rapp from Rent and everything <laughs> else. <laughs> so I'm just yeah. like... I'm excited for it, and I, I do feel that um, that character is going to bring um, a dynamic to the storyline, but also really just a, a sense of everydayness to the storyline. Like, yeah. we don't need to talk about it. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think I think what's really neat about this is that, you know, the the representation of, 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 of characters that we don't n- normally see... Uh, but treated in very positive ways, very uh, yeah, you know, because there are there you know there are there are gay characters in television, but it's frequently it's like oh they're this, you know this we have to we have to make an exception for them, and even what you were saying before, I mean there there have been black women in Star Trek, but it is uh, you know never in, in the in the primary focus, and it is important. I mean for a guy like me, you know, I'm a straight white guy, you know, so I you know I get the understand you know I I, I can you know mentally understand why it is important to have that representation but i can't feel it you know mm-hmm. so i can never quite know you know just to speak well i can never quite know what it means to you to see sonequa yeah. in the lead other than to say oh i can hear you talk about it and kind of get a sense from that so I, that's why i think it's great that that you are out there doing this and talking to her because it does mean something more to you because every other show i can kind of hey listen not that I look like Captain Kirk, but I can sort of see myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a representation of where I am. So I mean, yeah. you know, it's not it's not any great and great insight that I have into this, but it is something that is important to remember that these things are hitting other people that may not be hitting you, and for for those groups, it is uh, less common. So that makes it yeah. fundamentally good. So that's. And that, to- 
anyone who feels like, you know what, that things are leaving them or departing from them, it's like, I mean, I hate to break it to them. There will still be a room for straight white guys and nerddom. <laughs> like, like, don't feel anyone is going to take the space. Yeah, um, we're just going to make it bigger, and that's what I think is great. And I'm, I'm totally excited. I'm also really excited to see what happens. Oh, God, is it next week? Is the con? Is next week Star Trek con? Yes, it is. Golly, I'll be there. Yeah, I feel, we'll yeah, all be there. I feel like yeah. that will be a great litmus test too because i feel like that community is going to live and breathe i will not be there i'm covering two junkets and a set visit so i can't go well but, tut tut but uh well. i know but i know you will be there and a bunch of other folks who i know are covering i believe there's a reporter going for bgn so i'm there in spirit if not in body oh although awesome. i will say like so close to comic-con they really do beat you up on this i'm like come on well there's <laughs> there there's some practicalities i mean the the um all the props and whatnot that were at san diego are still in boxes on the west coast so it's easy to get them from one place to the other so that's one good <laughs> True. thing True. um i don't think that sonequa is going to be at um las vegas but some other actors will be and certainly a lot of the behind the scenes talent i'm going to be hosting panels with a lot of the behind the scenes talent, a lot of the writers producers special effects people and whatnot so that should be cool um awesome so uh we didn't talk about um um lieutenant um lieutenant redhead what the heck is her name uh the new gal um Squirky? What is her name? Uh, Squeaky? Tilly? Tilly! Yeah, Lieutenant Tilly. Tilly. What's going on with her? Okay, I'm going to tell you this right now. I did not get a lot from her. So... So, all all we kind of got from her is that she's a cadet, and she's very much going to be... um, What's the word I'm looking for? That kind of young, like, intern-type thing. And so... She's the new girl. Yeah, she's the new girl. She (laughs) works with Anthony Rapp's character, and she's going to kind of, I think, really portray that super fangirly, geek girl nervousness. You know what I mean? So, and she rooms with Burnham. I'm already in love with her. I'm so worried. I hope it's okay. (laughs) Like, you know, I have this weird thing, and I need to check myself. I sometimes get very protective of characters, and Mm -hmm. I worry about them on Star Trek sometimes. Like, I want them to be okay. I had a very deep relationship with Major Kira that I was worried about her for seven years. I told this to Nana Visitor. She looked at me like I was an insane person. But I, like I said, is she okay now? Is everything all right? I get very protective. It's just because maybe she's just a petite woman. I don't know. Of course, Major Kira could kick my ass six ways a Sunday. But be that as it may, <laughs> I'm very protective of her. And I can tell you already, week to week, I'm going to be so nervous for Cadet Tilly. I hope it all works out. Yeah, I really do too. Don't you feel like like she's like the puppy that they bring on to kick? Yes. I hate to say that. I yes. don't. I don't say that wanting that to happen. <laughs> you know, Enterprise but. had Porthos, an actual puppy, but now they have her. Um, yeah, no, it was it was uh, it was funny because she's because I know that uh, Michael Burnham doesn't need me to worry about her. She's gonna be fine. Yeah, but uh, and. and higher rank and i believe like i think that it's not a mentorship type of relationship but i think they're paired up specifically for that purpose like yeah you room with an older you room with a, a longer term starfleet person yeah so. well i mean they're you know so she's the checkoff you know i mean it all yeah, and yeah. you know if i was if i was um old enough to have watched the original series and its original run i would have worried about checkoff the whole time i'm sure of it <laughs> not ohura again she could take care of herself i'm not worried yeah. about her 
not not even Nurse Chapel. Nurse Chapel's fine. She she really is a, a firecracker, as my dad would say. But uh, Chekhov, yeah, I would I would have a nurturing feeling toward him for sure. Um, cool. Well, listen. Uh, so it sounds like you had a blast. Um, now, finally, the, the the last thing was at the at the end of the uh, the event, uh, they showed the trailer. Uh, were ear splitting applause or or you know just regular applause? Was the house? No, 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 no. I mean, this is the right audience for it. You know, definitely not a standing ovation like they got with Black Panther, but definitely earth ripping applause. And people were definitely cheering. The cast was cheering. I don't know how many of them got to see that trailer before the panel but you could definitely tell that maybe some of them hadn't because they were just as enwrapped as we were yeah um yeah it was it was fun it was really fun and and definite cheers and then you know for me i was just already freaking out because i knew that i had to then you know book it across the way <laughs> to go get get ready for this round table which we did immediately after which you know that walk yeah you know that's a little a little behind this a little behind the scenes for less so i i covered comic-con as a journalist for seven years in a row and i haven't been back but it is not um it's like a moving freight train and if you're not there they just go without you and you want to be in the panel to watch the things so you can talk yep. to the talent about what you're seeing and then you need to be across the way to speak to them and some outlets they split they have enough people on the floor so they go now one guy's gonna be in the room one guy's gonna be waiting for the interviews later and to me that's dumb I mean how do you talk to somebody about something that you didn't see so I always wanted to be there to watch the material and then get there and um, you know you can't run against 300,000 of your favorite no. nerd friends all dressed like Gandalf, you know, you can't get to where, you know, you can't get to where you need to be. So yeah. <laughs> over the seventies, yeah. I learned about shortcuts and ways to sneak around and, uh, how to and sneak. you always get there. You're right. You have somebody there. So yeah. I always have somebody there waiting at the round table check-in. Yeah. But I definitely come in like, and I've I've been really lucky with TV because it's not Hall H. Hall H, you can't do it. There's too many people. Yeah. It's impossible. But ballroom, you can do it. Like you can make it across if you like book it. Yeah. Um, and I will admit that the trailer, um, like this one, I actually stayed a little while longer than I should have. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> because you don't know if they're going to show the trailer after, because sometimes they keep the trailer secret. Like oh, a little extra bump, it, or they show it yeah. a second time. They show it a second yeah. time, yeah. And so, like, you leave, you know, like you you may you may stay to the trailer and may miss getting across, but um, yeah, a lot of times, I mean, the, yeah, no, the lot or they save they save a big bombshell for the very end. They they save. Yeah. Uh, oh, and by the way, we've cast so and so as the cat as the character. Boom, yes. and then everybody flips and so, out. So yeah, I was a little bit down. lucky that I had some cohorts at BGN to kind of save my spot. Yeah, but um, I still made it because this is the other <laughs> thing they they don't want to tell you. The stars have to make it too. Well, but they have they have little they have an in they have interior hallways and they have little golf yeah. carts. Yes, they do, but they yeah. still have to make it there. So it still takes them a little bit of time. And I've never seen a star make it over there on the time that they've ever made. Well, that's true. Like, that's true. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, Comic-Con, you know, they sort of, there have been historical events where, where they have dropped bombs on people. I mean, it happened in 2007 when, uh, the, you got to remember, 2007 for Star Trek, the, the first J.J. Abrams reboot, nobody really knew who was in it. There was rumors about um, Zachary Quinto, but that wasn't 100% certain. And nobody knew Leonard Nimoy was going to be in it. And then he came out at that event and, and said, hello, and I'm in this new movie. And that, that blew everybody's mind. 
And then another yeah. funny one was um, for a Disney panel in Hall H that was primarily on Escape from Witch Mountain with Dwayne The Rock Johnson, which is not exactly a modern masterpiece. It's not one that <laughs> people remember. It was for for that, and then the panel ended, and there were not a lot of people in there because not that many people were interested, and people had already left. Lights come up, lights come back down again, and with no warning and no vo- nobody on the loudspeaker explaining what happened, they showed the first Tron teaser trailer. Ah. And Tron had not been announced. Nobody knew they were bringing it back. And at first, people were like, what are we seeing? And it, there was leaked, uh, you know, kind of pre-smartphone leaked video. And you can hear somebody say, is this Tron? I think this is Tron. <laughs> and then they show the young, and it was foot, it was test footage. It was never actually in the movie, but it was test footage. Yeah, this is, yeah. You can find this on the internet. It's kind of great because you can hear people flipping out when they realize that it's actually Tron. Joke's on them because Tron Legacy was kind of a stinker of a movie. But at the time, it sounded really cool. At the time, it was a really good idea. (laughs) I'm sure it's probably they showed like the CGI version of Jeff Bridges. Like, yeah, no, that's what it was, and they they showed that. I'm like, what the hell is that? It's Jeff Bridges, but he's young. I'm flipping out, man. (laughs) So, all right, you did it. Another Comic Con in the books. Congratulations. Um, I'm sure we're going to talk again uh, once Discovery has left Space Dock and is floating out there in the uh, in the Alpha Quadrant. People can Are you gonna f- go to the premiere and all that. Are you going to come to LA for that and do it up? Uh, my listen, my friends at CBS always know how to get a hold of me. My my phone <laughs> number is I can neither confirm nor deny where I'll be, but I'm always around and hopefully uh, hopefully this show will be there. Uh, we are going to be speaking with um, a number. I personally am going to be uh, hosting panels with a lot of the producers. Um, uh, writers and behind-the-scenes folks from Discovery. My colleague, Scott Movie Mance, who's been a guest of the show, is going to yep. be hosting a panel um, with some of the actors. Not Sonequa, but some of the actors. So all the panels that I'm hosting, I will be able to play on the air, and with Scott Movie Mance's permission, I'm sure I can play his as well. So we'll take it from there. Um, you but- two are my favorite Star Trek fans, among others. <laughs> I love you two, because you both are just like... And, and no one can top Mance for enthusiasm, but you're both... Are- couple of my faves. Well, thank you. To hang out with them a little bit at Comic-Con as well. Awesome. Well, it's very nice to hear. And people can follow your work um, on BGN and also on Fandango. And if they want to follow you on Twitter, your Twitter, ha- Twitter handle is? That Jacqueline. Which Jacqueline? That Jacqueline. That Jacqueline. <laughs> yes. I've, I've, I've made it a lot simpler to find me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Your old, your old one was a bit complex. But it's, so it's You just, know what? Yeah. I loved my old handle, but I'm not going to lie to you. You have no many, how no many people are like, oh, it's so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> so ja- that Jacqueline, all one word, J-A-C-J-A-C-Q-U-U-E-L-I-N-E. And you can also follow me there at Instagram as well, that Jacqueline. What happens if somebody calls you Jackie? Um, I am nice and, and answer, but I prefer Jacqueline. No, it would be rage on the, I, I heard a rumor that you rage on the inside when somebody calls you Jackie. I, I'm not as happy about it, but <laughs> hey, you know what? I live in Texas where people shorten everything. Right. People shorten my name to Jax. I'm like, God, man, y'all are just making it, this, like, you're just going to be Ja eventually. <laughs> I like that jaw. How you doing, jaw? Well, there you go. Let's stick with Jacqueline for now. And thanks again, and I'm sure we'll see you soon. Yeah, definitely. This is so much fun. Thanks for having me back.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.